did this ourselves. They're coming. It can't be. Where is everyone? Hello, survivors, and welcome back to the Apocalypse Post. I'm your host, Makeshift. And over the last few weeks, we've been concentrating on the Legends of Wasteland City, our original story series. And we just wrapped up our first story, which is a six-parter called Contingencies, written and starring the Schofields Drifters, Doc Schofield, and Digits, along with What Breaks. And I just wanted to take a quick break in the format to kind of go back to our original format, which is more like storytelling and interviews, and do a discussion with the writers of Contingencies, Doc and Digits. We have a wonderful discussion about Contingencies, the story, what inspired its creation, and how stories like these help them shape out their role-playing cosplay at events like Wasteland Weekend. We also find out what they thought about the voice actors who recreated their characters on tape and what it was like hearing their story from a different perspective and in a different style. And for the first time in a long time, we recorded this one in video. So if you want to see what Doc and Digits look like, just switch over to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash the apocalypse post. And that'll be linked in the show notes as well. Well, guys, Doc and Digits are actually two real-life people, in addition to being the characters of this story. Like I said, they attend Wasteland Weekend. They're both absolutely amazing, very engaging, very engaged in the event, um, always trying to add to it, and incredibly friendly and inviting. Uh, they've had me in their camp to um, have drinks, share stories, and just hang out uh, on numerous occasions, and you can always see them hanging around town in Wasteland City. I don't want to take up too much time. I want to get right to it because it's an amazing interview. So let's get started. All right, Doc and Digits, welcome to the Apocalypse Post. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, very excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, so I have enjoyed creating this story. Well, I mean, you guys created it, but audio it? I don't know. Like, no, I'm a filmmaker, so it's a little bit weird to talk about things in just audio only. Um, but to basically, you guys allowed me to tell this story my way, and I really appreciate that, and it was so much fun. It, it was so, it's been so exciting to hear your take on it and your presentation of it, and uh, we've thoroughly enjoyed what you've done with it, and it's, it's, it's just fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, you know, it is really interesting because in the filmmaking world, we always talk about there's three there's three movies you make. There's the one you write, the one you shoot, and the one you edit, right? Mm. And so there is this thing where having someone write it and a different person direct it and a different person edit it, it's a real thing because everyone has this, this layer of discovery along the way. Um, yeah. Did you guys feel like there was anything along the way that was incredibly surprising or you're like, Ooh, no, that wasn't quite right. Go ahead. I feel like, um, when we very first heard Doc's voice, um, in not in contingencies actually, but in the, in the previous one, the first one that you had done, um, they went like real mad scientists with it. And I think it's kind of cool in a very original Mad Max sort of way of like, the story standing on its own and there being a new spin on it. Uh, but like, I think that took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, it definitely in the contingencies, what I feel like is a little closer to how Doc and I talk. <laughs> I think, I think that that's a pretty, a pretty fair assessment. I was really impressed at how much the sound and the music added to the story. We, mm -hmm. we, we had the, 
the soundtrack playing in our heads when we were creating it and, and, and when we were writing it, but just to hear again, your take on it, that it really added so much. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, I gotta say, you guys put so much in the, in the actual writing for me to pull clues from, um, <laughs> That it was, it was really fun to just go in there and just interpret. And then when I sent it out to the VO guys, mm-hmm. um, Jay, Megan, uh, I'm, I'm going to spoil a question for later, but um, Tim and the Baron um, and Michael Reed, they all, of course, interpreted it their own way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't there, like, directing them. They, this was all done over the internet, right? Um, and so they each kind of put their own spin on things and I would listen back and I'd be like, that's not how I thought about it, but yeah, that, that makes sense. Like I I can work with that. Um, (laughs) and there were probably, I think maybe half a dozen or, or 10 lines total that I was like, Hey, can you redo this? Because it's just not, it's not meshing, you know? Um, but it was really fun. And, and this collaboration, it's, it's you guys on the writers, it's me on the editing side um, and the narration and then all the voiceover actors and then all the people who like made music and put it on this um, yeah. this license-free site that I pulled from. Like this, they don't even know they were part of this collaboration, <laughs> but it all went together to create this story. Yeah, it really is fun to see how to do that. And as... I'm an older guy. I'm used to doing a lot more work in person and to see all this collaboration being done in isolation, basically, and so remotely is very impressive. It's very impressive that we're able to accomplish so much with everybody in their own little silo. Uh, That's really neat to see. Yeah. And the technology lends to that, right? Yeah. Because if I tried to do this, oh shoot, even 10 years ago or, or before COVID made it so that everyone was just used to it already, yeah. uh, it may have been a, a bit more of a more difficult task. And I, I may have had to be like, I can only work with local people and, yeah. um, you know, y'all get to come down to the studio so I can direct you face to face. But now, I mean, people are very used to working on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can you guys tell me where this story comes from? <laughs> so that's a that's a big question. Um, I'm not sure how how deep to go on it. I think like for this particular story, we had already been building up the whole like touchstone arc. I guess uh, is something that we came up with when we first created the tribe to kind of help explain digits and docs relationship, what we're doing out here. It's nice to have a little MacGuffin like this in our back pocket that we can kind of keep riffing on and keep putting obstacles in the character's way. And um, this one, you can see that it takes place kind of before Wasteland and then after Wasteland to help tease and set up some of the activities and the lore stuff and the bounty hunting we were going to do at the event. Do you remember what year this was? This was 2019. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it kind of set up our 2019 wasteland, and then it kind of helped wrap up our 2019 wasteland. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it came out of the uh, most wanted bounties that we set up. We decided that we would do a joint most wanted bounty where the um, the bounty hunter had to separate us and uh capture the two of us because if they capture the two of us together we would put the two halves of touchstone together and blow up wasteland uh <laughs> and so it was really kind of funny because for the first that that first year 
Ditches and I were joined at the hip. We made it really, really hard and 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 did not. In fact, uh, nobody uh, solved the managed to capture the bounty. A couple people came close, but they but they didn't. And so that we was did 2017. That was that, that was 2017. That, the first yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so and then, funny. Yeah, and then and then in 20 and and then for the next one, basically the bounty hunter just completely ignored the whole uh, script and just grabbed a bunch of the rust devils that came in and brute forced his way into. Uh, into capturing us, uh, but yeah, it, it, it started with that, and then we just grew on it. Decided, you know, this was a lot of fun. Let's write some stories and uh, uh, and, sh- and share th- some things. That's so I'd cool. One of the things we really like to do that we observed early on, and that is fun, is just bringing in other tribes and just mentioning people when we can. You can see us just kind of like name dropping <laughs> and having having some stuff from other characters' perspectives. Uh, I think. Trying to get into the lore scene when we were starting out as a tribe, there were already some like really excellent established tribes, established storylines. And you could see how much people enjoyed seeing themselves in those stories and how much people just want to be involved. So I'd say that's where some of the yep. the aspects come from. We think about how we can try to like rope in other people. I love that. And that's actually um, when I saw how you guys were tying in other tribes, that's one of the reasons I ended up naming the series um, The Legends of Wasteland City is because I saw like, all right, so if I'm going to pull stories and a lot of them are going to be from the Wasteland Weekend community, they're going to intercept and they're, uh, intersect, inter, they're going to interweave. We'll yes. go with that. Um, there's going to be all sorts of this tie-in stuff. And we're going to see a lot of the same characters, but in different stories and from different perspectives. So I thought that would be really cool as we keep going that um, all these stories would be related and they were all going to fall back on this central point of Wasteland City. I think that that's really valuable. I think the other thing is that people enjoy hearing about other people, but to be quite honest, people really enjoy hearing about themselves. So if you can just put a little bit of that in there, it just it just gives everybody a chance to go, hey, that's me, and you know, I'm part of the story, and that it's fun and it helps to uh, peak and maintain interest. So yeah, it, it was really quite intentional. We we like the people that we put in the story, but it it, it was definitely intentional. It's like let's make this appeal to as broad a group of people as we possibly can. Yeah, and I can um, agree with that firsthand because Adam Chilson, one of the co-creators, or yes. one, I'm sorry, not one of the co-creators, but one of the co-owners of Wasteland Weekend, um, he actually did a whole lore series involving mm-hmm. a lot of the Wasteland tribes. And I think this goes back to 2014, 15-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asked me if I minded if he wrote me in. And I was like, me? You, exactly. you wrote me in? That, that's exactly. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, and it was. It was so exciting to find Makeshift showing up in this story uh, and in a storyline that I had never thought of. Yeah. Um, but he treated my character so well and it was so exciting. I'm actually hoping to use some of that story on Legends of Wasteland City. So, Great. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. <laughs> and by the way, who has the bird? Uh it is not me, so I'm assuming. I, I was assuming it was either oh, you or. You're getting was... background noise from outside. I bet. One really? Second. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's me... a crow. I was like, oh man, someone must have a parrot. <laughs> no, it's, it's a crow. That's a, that's a crow in the trees outside my apartment. That's so funny. No relationship. <laughs> I remember one day when I was living in LA, um, there was. I th- I always thought this was an owl. The. Turns out. Uh, 
Well, I heard it outside my window one day. And so I repeated it. And then suddenly, right in my window was a pigeon. And I was like, oh, it's not an owl. That's a pigeon sound. <laughs> and now it's, now it's looking for a hookup. <laughs> it was really funny. But yeah, I always thought it was an owl. And then it just wasn't. It was just a pigeon. And, but it sounds like, who, who? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, this story kind of comes out of your your cosplaying and, mm -hmm. you know, building a little bit of your backstory for your characters. Um, do you guys cosplay anywhere else or or is Doc and Digits the characters? Are they your only ulterior personas? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, no, we do a lot of different things. Uh, I've been involved in Renaissance Fair and uh, acting for over 30 years now. And and run a group. Sutler and I run a group uh, on the independent Renaissance Fair circuits, and that's kind of how we roped ditches into the whole into this whole thing. So we do that. Uh, we'll go play at Dickens fairs and other things. Um, uh, I think that uh, Digis says that you know she's the uh, uh, player of player of, of different hobbies and player of parts and things on her description <laughs> on, on on Facebook. We do we do a lot of this stuff. So yeah, yeah, and they're it. all and they're all uh, different characters. You know, Doc and Digis is just for you know post-apocalyptic. I will say that out of all of the different like pairs that we have in characters that we play, I think at this point Doc and Digits are the most. At least Digits is definitely the most developed for me. I'm not sure if Doc is for you. You've got a lot of history <laughs> on some of those roles, but uh, I feel like this it it feels uh it feels a little different and also. Since for me, there's no accent or anything. There's a different affect for digits, but it's just a little easier to play than some of the more historical stuff for me. Yeah. You know what? You bring up, all right, two, there's two questions I got to ask based on that. One, um, how does a festival like Wasteland Weekend compare to um, like a Renaissance fair? Uh, and I don't mean as a cosplayer, because as a cosplayer, you're kind of doing the same thing. But as an attendee, talk to me about that. Oh, I, th I, th I think that's real clear. Uh, I view my role at the Renaissance fairs as I'm a performer. Whether I'm paid or not, I'm there to entertain the audience. And it's very clear who the performers are and who, do, who the audience uh, is. Right. At Wasteland, we're all part of the same group. There's... Uh, it's all a matter of we're all creating this world that we can all share together. And uh, when I first heard about the idea of Wasteland, I said, well, there's, there's no audience. That basically is what you, you're, you're, playing, you're playing with yourselves. What's the purpose of that? And did just talk me into going, it's like, say, no, this, this will be fun. And the, the whole idea of the complete immersion, everybody's in on it. And everybody's building the story together. It's completely different. There is no fourth wall. All right. Again, with the, with the Renaissance Fair, there's there's a wall. There's a there's a distinct difference between performers and audience, and you bridge that. You engage them, and you do things. But there are very clear rules. Whereas at Wasteland, in the, that type of environment, it's a recreation. It's an immersion, completely different uh, perspective from my point of view. The other thing with the fairs is that every fair you go to every day, everything resets. Mm -hmm. Like it's never not kind of like the same fair oh, whereas wasteland moves forward so yeah, you I can mean, build stories yeah the stories don't really you can't really role play it the same way 
uh, at Renaissance Fair, at least in my experience, because you don't have that organic, like, relationships changing over time between characters, between people, sure, but between characters. Yeah. I love that. I never really thought of that before. Well, the other interesting thing is the attention spans are so different. When we're at a Renaissance Fair, we know that we have uh, an audience's attention span for about 20, maybe 40 seconds before they walk (laughs) on. That's true. That's the nature of the fair. They're wandering around. They're experiencing things you have. You know, if you can hold them for two minutes, you're doing really, really well. Whereas at Wasteland, we've got four days, you know, more, (laughs) you know, you can build stories and you can, and people will understand what's going on. And if they don't know, they're willing to learn about it and understand the context. And to to do these sustained stories, Throughout the course of one event, not not even considering the fact that we are building stories that go from year to year to year, it's a huge opportunity. It's incredibly deep and rich. Yeah, very deep. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because every year you go to the Renaissance Fair, it's almost like it started over. And yeah, you go for a day and you've seen everything. Pretty much. Theoretically, if you've if you've made your way around and seen yeah. all the shows and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never really thought of that. And and um, it was interesting because the early years of Wasteland. Um, it kind of was like that. Like it was just, here's the festival. There's not yeah. a whole lot of like longevity in the stories. And then um, about halfway through, a little bit before Fury Road came out, these the the lore started to really develop. The, the yeah. um, interactions between tribes really started to develop. And it kind of just changed one time. <laughs> yeah. And it's never gone back. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of cool. I, I think people really enjoy that. And the nice thing that... I like to see is the fact that, you know, again, we started uh, not that long ago, but you see the ebb and flow. You see groups come into prominence and then, you know, maybe they uh, stop doing the events or maybe they fall into a more background role and other groups emerge. And as you keep getting these different groups come in, they're all incredibly enthusiastic about maintaining this lore and they're changing it putting their marks on it but it's nice to see that just keep continuing going it's, it's not like this one tribe was the only one who was driving the lore they're gone and lore died that's not the case and that, that's yeah, nice and, to see and that's true because also there's also there's like these different centers of lore like the skullduggers are huge um mm-hmm. just black not black hole but they're just they're like a, a star. It's got the gravitational pull of a star yep. of lore. So are the Dukes of the Nuke, my tribe. Um, yeah. And it, it feels like um, like you guys have a whole world of lore that happens uh, very connected with the green place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's these different storylines that are happening that are kind of separate and parallel, but also intersect. Um, yeah. So depending on what tribes you're walking around visiting, you may end up in a completely different storyline than where you started earlier in the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the more entertaining and very exciting aspects of it is that there are so many different stories. It's like real life. All right? If you walk into a town, there may be a driving, compelling, overarching story, but it's not the only story in that town. Every, you know, There are 25 different stories in there. And so I like to see that same, I like when that happens at Wasteland. It's, 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 yeah. it, it makes it rich. That's great. The like, organic web that's kind of being constructed, I think, is yeah. one of my favorite parts. <laughs> like, we've got a relationship with the Skullduggers like, early on, especially yeah. before we had really put our mark on things. We were like, oh, Skullduggers and Dukes of the Nuke. Okay, that's, that's, like, that's one of the core 
They're like, important. We got. They're important. <laughs> let's go. Let's go pick a side. Let's let's yeah. get in on this. Um, and it was it was really cool. And it, everybody, I feel like, made us feel really welcome. And yeah. now, if we go off and do some insane storyline, there's a pretty good chance that it kind of it pulls in a bunch of other tribes as right. that net as that web kind of gets tugged on. I love so. it. I love it. And earlier, Digits, you also mentioned how um, your character at Wasteland is a little bit more like you, so a little bit more to stay in. And one of the things I've always noticed about Wasteland is people go into character, out of character, back and forth. Um, and you can also just be you, but pretend the world ended. Like, you don't need a character. Yeah. You can just be like, well, I guess there's no more uh, McDonald's, so <laughs> I'm going to, you know, check on my uh, my grilling uh, <laughs> skills again. Um, but what do you guys think about that as far as, like, it's not cosplay light because there's still a lot to it, but it's definitely a lot easier than trying to stay in like a Renaissance character or, or a civil yeah. war reenactment. Well, I, I not to like get real deep with it, but <laughs> the very first year we went to check out Wasteland, uh, we didn't even go in with character names or anything. We started doing bounty hunting, um, came up with names on the spot and I just acted a lot more, uh, bubbly and like outgoing. And I mean, I was, I wasn't like a shy person to start with, but I kind of like put on this badass edge to try to play this character up. And I ended up going home and taking that with me. And it ended up, I, I was like, I like that person that I was out there. Ooh. So like, yeah, I mean, I act, I play it up as digits still, but I think I've become a lot more like the character uh, because they're just, I happened upon aspects that I really enjoyed in my, in my real life. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. I think that the real key for any type, well, you know, the real type key for any type of acting or any type of role playing is really to pick some aspect of your core personality and either accentuate it or bury it. Uh, and so, <laughs> d d d d you're emphasizing certain parts and de-emphasizing other parts, and so that you have some some bit to draw on. If you really, if you're an inherently shy person. You, it's really hard to go out and say, I'm going to be this and this very boisterous, outgoing person. That's a very big change. But to say, I'm kind of shy, but I really want to learn more. I'm going to just knock it up or down a level. It's a lot easier to do that and maintain that for a long period of time. And I think that's a, a, a large bit of what we do. You know, the my aspects, the, the, most of the aspects of, of Doc are pretty similar to what I am outside. It's just exaggerated a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I, I produced that the video that's called We Are Wasteland. Yes, of um, course. Mm -hmm. that, and this one goes all the way back to 2014. And one of the lines is, uh, it's a place where you can be who you are or who you would be. Yes. And the idea was exactly that. Like, if you're hiding your true self, you can be your true self. Yeah. And if your true self, self isn't what you want it to be, you can be that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's an opportunity to kind of drop the real world and and create whatever the heck you want. And yeah. um, there are people that go out there to be bad guys. There are people that go out there to be heroes. Um, I know with uh, like the performers, a lot of them aren't performers in real life, but they get out there and suddenly, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're they're taking off their clothes and dancing to to hip hop music. You know, like it, yep. it, it's all sorts of stuff happens out there. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing is that it, it it should be liberating in that way. Uh, I think that by creating a character that is just again an extension and ex exaggeration of yourself, it makes it easier to stay as much in character as possible and be self consistent as possible for the four days. If you do something that's very different, 
it's hard to maintain that. And then when people interact with you, they don't know how to interact with you because are you in character or not? It's like, I'm Doc. I'm always in character. So they know how to, so they know how to interact with me. And right. it, it, there's an element of consistency, and that lets people, again, play on a more detailed level. If they, if they have an idea of what to expect from me, as long as I'm not screwing with them, uh, mm-hmm. they, they can concentrate more on doing their development and building the scene and having fun with the story rather than worrying about, well, which persona is Doc now? He's like, no, let's keep it simple right. so we can actually have fun with it. Yeah, and that's another fun thing I want to bring up is when you go visit a tribe's camp at Wasteland, um, they already have, you know, either a backstory or uh, a mission they need you to go on or something for you to play into. You don't have to bring your story into a camp. You can just right. play into theirs once you're once you're there, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We had a lot of fun this last year doing other people's quests. Finally, <laughs> like we <laughs> we were running ourselves into the ground the first few years just trying to like get the tribe established and get our bounty hunting set up and we overcommitted a bit i think also but this most recent year we had some new tribe members that were really also interested in the lore um that kind of and they were new so we wanted to show them around and then we also i feel like had a little bit of a more reasonable schedule yeah. Uh, and so we got to like go to the boneyard buzzards and like run some jet, which was we, ties into our story. Um, yeah. I got to uh, run some guns for the Dukes of the Nuke with a new friend in the Faceless Merchant. So like it was, uh, it was nice. It was nice to get to experience some of the other tribes' stories that way. Oh, I'm so glad! Yay! Yeah, there's always that balance, and I feel like um, you know people either go in very light and work their way up to balance or they go in, you know, 100% way too hard. Um, They bring a stage and and characters and giveaways and all sorts of stuff. And they're like, okay, we got to bring that back a little bit. Yeah, that was us. us. Awesome. All right. So I do want to talk a little bit more about contingencies, of course. That's what Mm -hmm. we're here for. Um, So in the story, how long ago in your tribe's history did all of contingencies take place? So contingencies took place uh, right around the 2019 timeframe. So uh, uh, in, 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 in terms of what years do we do that? So it's fairly recent. It, it, it happened about, you know, about three years ago. Uh, now, an, another question that I thought you were going to ask, I'll answer because it also does really apply into things, is the big post-apocalyptic fall happened about 35 years ago. All right. So what happened before Dishes was born, it happened when I was a young researcher. All right. Got so it. I, I remember what before the fall was like. All right. And that's why we make a lot of references to, to a lot of that stuff. Right. And, 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 and it happened after Dishes was born. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry, before, before, before Dishes was born. So that kind of brackets when, you know, how far we look at things. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, these events happened, you know, like about three or four years ago. Yeah, and it's really interesting when you have all right. So, um, a lot of stories will either have the the apocalypse happen recently, um, but and then there's a, this midterm where it's been a generation or two, yeah. and then there's the nobody remembers everything is so far in the past, like it's a whole new world. And I love how you guys kind of chose that middle one because it still relates back to today's world, and a lot of the stuff that you're discovering and exploring yeah. is is before the fall. Um, but you're living in this world that's completely changed. Yeah, yeah. We we were really excited about doing that, and we really wanted to um, 
kind of take advantage of our own age difference and the age difference within the group. Most of the, most of the group, except for Sutler and I, are, are fairly young or comparatively young. And so we, we really wanted to take advantage of that. We figured doing the split right there would let us, would, 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 would let us kind of do that. And also because Schofield's Drifters are artifact hunters, because we're, we're, we're looking for a lot of old technology, it helps to have a kind of close tie-in to be able to understand what that is. It also lets us take advantage of the real landmarks, which we take a lot of mm-hmm. inspiration from. Like, we'll just be driving back from Wasteland and be like, oh, look at that place. Like, we could do something there. We could send yeah. Doc into just there. <laughs> uh, the earliest floor we did, we didn't do in story form. We did in the form of just communications between Doc and Digits. And they and we, like, posted, like, encryption keys and stuff. So it was just kind of teasing um, teasing the touchstone arc and we used a lot of the locations uh and stuff for that and we've i think we've carried that forward pretty strongly yeah Yeah, that's so cool yeah you guys have definitely built a world i can feel it already like these these places that you talk about are real places i could i can visualize the map that you guys are working off of it's so cool yeah 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 pretty much every place that we reference in contingencies does in fact exist the uh the power plant where the Imper- Grand Imperator dropped off the C4, that is a nu- there's a nuclear power plant in Ion, uh, and that, 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 that's where he went. Uh, the, um, the power plant and the dam the, that was introduced in Episode 5, that place does exist down in the Los <laughs> Angeles area. They, there were two power plants down there. A, the, the dam actually broke, and... 600 people died. I mean, all that stuff's true. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so all, cool. the, yeah. All, the, all that stuff, everything we talk about is true. Um, and did when, they really get the power from one that they were expecting from two? They did. They never rebuilt the second. So they did oh, run wow. the set. They, 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 they did run just the second one. It didn't produce double the power. I did that. Just kind of, <laughs> I, but he's touchstone, right? But they <laughs> did run. They did run that second power plant for. God, I think about thirty or forty years before it just became obsolete. They wow. shut it down. Yeah, and oh, you, that's and, so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole like reason that we came up with any of that, we were leaving Ground Zero in April 2019, and, and we just we had reason to go out through Santa Barbara on the way home for that trip. So we just we took a different path than we usually do. We came across some cool old ruins. Uh, I posted on the lore page, like, hey, whose tribe owns this territory? And somebody said, oh, me. And I said, awesome. Happened to be a friend of ours anyway. Uh, and so we coordinated with them uh, and it happened to be the Defenestrate Horde. So that's how you get the confrontation with Primo and Digits and everything. Yeah, so, like, I love it. Well, we were just, we were really just actually driving and we came up with most of the outline of the story on that drive. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so that cool. is where we do most of the... Uh, brainstorming is, is is on our drives to and from events because we have, you know, six to eight hours of nothing right. to do. So we, so we talk about that stuff. Hope we can remember most of it, and then uh, uh, then we get yeah. home. We start writing it down and hashing things out. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And credit where it's due. Uh, Doc does almost all of the first drafting. There's a couple of stories <laughs> where I've done it, but for the most part, I feel like just process wise, Doc does most of the drafting. I'm a good editor. I'm less good at composition. And then a lot of the dialogue we'll collaborate on to make sure that it fits our own voices. But yeah. Doc's got digits down to a T. So That's awesome. I don't usually have to change anything there. Perfect. Perfect. And I do want to mention you you um you brought up Ground Zero. And for anyone that doesn't know, it's a Wasteland weekend. They do like the tutorial 
like almost in theme, but not really weekend in the spring, usually where the tribes get together and they talk about like all the stuff they're bringing and give each other tips and tricks on how to be a good tribe. Yeah, usually it's an opportunity for the yeah. it's, it's an opportunity for the tribe leaders to get together and just bond and create and, and exchange ideas and hash things out in a very dedicated fashion. So like, there's not really a lot of partying. It's it's there are workshops. It's actually a, a, a business retreat, just so to speak. Yeah, until nighttime, <laughs> and then and then at night there's a lot of partying. <laughs> yeah, but definitely that's a great time Schil- to. That's when Adam Chilson sets the bar on fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so. Uh, but again, wherever we're traveling, whatever we're traveling to and from events, if, if it works out to where we're together, uh, that's where most of the stories come out. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So it's been uh, now it's been a few wastelands since contingencies took place. Yes. Um, can you give us any clues as to whether you've gotten this touchstone device working? Um, no. Uh, no, 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 I can't give you any clues. Um, I have no comment. Oh, this is an interesting case, and um, it's kind of like the fugitive or um, a number of other stories. Is that you really don't want to get to the end too quickly because they have to figure out what comes next and because the nature of touchstone is if it's successful it will completely revolutionize the post-apocalyptic world so it's uh, you know um so either so, so i can if you look at what touchstone is you can see that doc is never going to succeed at it because if he did it, it, it would pretty much kill wasteland weekend all right right um so he's never going to succeed at it now does that mean that he's going to fail or it just keeps going on and on and on that depends on how long we can tell good stories yeah. very so, cool but yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll keep telling stories on it i love it um <laughs> contingencies is dated 37 af yes and actually you guys of course you remember when we did the teaser for legends of wasteland city back in the fall we used a piece that you guys had also written uh, that was dated 39 AF, which yes. is two years later. Yes. Yeah. So Doc's off on his own. He's still studying the touchstone device. Um, did, is there more of that story? Of the 39 AF story? Yeah. Yeah, well, now we're into 40 AF, so we'll, <laughs> well, we, it, we, skipped a, we skipped a little bit there. Um, yeah, I, I think so. That, that story was really a teaser like to get us into... Wasteland of twenty, what what do we just do? Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um. We're definitely going to write some more to explain like where some of the other drifters have been and what Doc and Digits have been doing in the off time. Um. We've got some NorCal events that I imagine we will get into trouble and have some material from. So. Yeah. yeah so the, so, and, so the story will continue. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And um. In the in the piece that was dated thirty nine AF, uh, yeah. Doc happens to be jonesing pretty hard because he ran out of uh, was it was it jet? Is that right? Jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and, and, it's, yeah. Basically, the idea with that is that for most people, like uh, Critical Bigs, who if for people who don't know, is uh, a very prominent, uh, very energetic character at. Uh, wasteland with the rust devils he Mm -hmm. is a jet addict when he takes jet he becomes a maniacal berserker uh and that's the pretty common reaction most people who take jet it is an adrenaline rush and they use it before going into combat doc is weird doc if he doesn't have it he becomes 
not necessarily maniacal, but he becomes very, very fidgety and very uh, uh, jittery. Jet actually calms him down and helps him focus. All right. So it's kind of along the idea of Sherlock Holmes and his cocaine addiction. Right. right. Uh, and I did steal that directly from Doyle. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but, but that, that's, that's kind of the view of it. I, I thought it would be interesting to, to uh, make uh, Doc a, uh, a jet user. In fact, in 2019, I actually had a letter from Lady Fahrenheit saying that I was authorized to carry jet for medicinal purposes. <laughs> I, 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 I actually requested, requested her to drop me one. She happily did. And so I actually had a prescription for jet. I, th- I think I'm the only person in Wasteland who medical had a medical jet license. That's so <laughs> who had a medical jet license. Yeah. yeah. That's, I was also, I was thinking um, a connection to like Adderall, right? Because yeah. people that have ADD, the Adderall stabilizes them. But yes. if you don't have it, it's kind of like this weird super energizing drug kind of like uh, being uh, hopped up on caffeine right same thing yeah. yep ex- yeah exactly the same thing yeah i love so, that we kind of uh, wanted to explain in that story where we had been for the last two years during the pandemic <laughs> too, yeah. before like going back oh to gotcha yeah. yeah yeah and what happened and the whole reason that doc ran out of jet and had this whole problem is because he had a one-year supply he was figuring uh-huh. on restocking in At 2020 the and then the gathering got it canceled it's like well crap i don't have a two-year supply i ran you know what you know and and then all right how do i take my you know three month extra supply and stretch that out over a year (laughs) oh didn't quite make it yeah oh that's so funny i didn't pick up on that but i love it yeah um so along with jet you guys do pull a lot from fallout uh, and i would almost say in this story especially um more so than from mad max Mm -hmm. um like you've got the jet you've got the bottle cap currency um, where does that all come from? And are you both big Fallout fans? <laughs> to be honest, so like I played Fallout, I like Fallout, but I think that that is more down to the old NCR, 7th Texas Legion, like that conflict was pretty big when we were just getting started. You mean and at Wasteland? At Wasteland, at Wasteland. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. Uh, the, the, the tribes at Wasteland, yeah. their take on that had, I think, a pretty big impact on the roleplay scene, like, when we were getting started. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Doc, you... I'm curious to see what you think about that, but I think that a lot of our Fallout aesthetic is down to falling in line in some way, uh, like, kind of trying to pick up what was being put down early on. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree. It, was, it, was, it really comes down to the idea of how do you play well with others, and one of the ways that you play well with others is you insinuate yourself into their stories. All right. Th- then they really don't have as much choice about to. to they're, they're kind of forced <laughs> to not ignore you. <laughs> and so, and and that that that's basically what we did. Is is again that that was the uh, most uh, that was the strongest story at Wasteland when we started attending, and so we mm-hmm. just we glommed onto that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, at Wasteland, there is there's a lot of Mad Max stuff that comes mm-hmm. into play. Um, there's a lot of Fallout stuff that comes into play, uh, and it's it's really fun because we're we're kind of borrowing these ideas from different stories, and the stuff that works for a real world city like this um, tends to stick around. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, the it at Wasteland weekend, the it was the casino, the Last Chance Casino, that brought bottle caps as a currency. Yep. Um, and this was in 2011. And so uh, it kind of stuck around and then people started making special caps and it was, it's just fun. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I want to do a shout out to you, uh, uh, 
to uh, Mike Mutchell, the Baron, is he's cre- the, uh, the Skullduggers have really taken off this whole idea, and I'm going to get the number wrong because I forget it. The Battle of Twenty Third <laughs> Street Bridge in San Diego. I'm not sure if that's uh-huh. the actual address. Uh, the but Battle it's the, of Fifth Street. Yeah. Battle of Fifth Street. I'm sorry, Battle of Fifth yep. Street. So it's this whole idea that there was a big battle, and whoever wants to, you can say they attended it, and here's what their experiences were. And it's just it's a unifying format that it's it's largely a typical improv game where you can never say no it's always yes but (laughs) and so everybody can say they were at the battle and here's what happened and nobody can say no that didn't happen it's all this is what my impression was this is what i saw in this gigantic battle and i like that inclusion and incorporation that uh kind of goes over a lot through Wasteland. And that's kind of the idea that we look when we were building the story, how can we build something people can add to and be consistent with and just everybody can get involved in and feel a part of. Yeah, so great. And that's actually um, right before we started Contingencies with the Legends of Wasteland City, we did an episode on the Battle of History and we yeah. had uh, the Baron come on and uh, Tim Cottage, the, yeah. the False Prophet came on um, and also um, Critical Biggs. So they all kind of gave their rendition of what happened at the Battle of History. And they were all, you know, kind of in the same area, but they all have different ideas of what happened. And uh, yeah, they explained how it's it's an open source game to play. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. Uh, And yeah, I think um, people being able to add into each other's stories and and, um, you know, there's a lot of real life storytelling that happens at the festival. But then also outside of that, this building that you guys uh, do so well. Speaking of adding into stories, this is where Digits and I have to make a request and plug. In... Be careful not to do any spoilers. Well, this is going to air after the, 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 the last thing comes up. So I, yep. so, so, oh, okay. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> um, so in the, last ep- in the last two episodes, we're at this uh, power plant that's uh, by a hydroelectric dam. And if you hear noises in the background, it's my two dogs that are playing, and I apologize for that. But they're, they're always welcome on the show. Mine sometimes um, sits in my lap while I'm recording. <laughs> so we're, we're at this power plant, and uh, we end up attacking a bunch of, for lack of a better word, cultists. And one of them gets away, and we're, we're under the gun. We have to find what we need, and then we have to get out before the cultists show up. And so we steal a totem from their cult. And we're saying, oh my God, this is you know this is great, but this is you know we're 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 gonna have a vendetta. Some people are really gonna be angry at us. So I'm putting the call out right now. If any group <laughs> wants to be a cultist and engage in a vendetta with Schofield's Drifters, please contact Digits or I. We'd love to take this further. We created this group. It doesn't exist. So who wants to be a, who wants to be a a, a uh, ocean based cult? Uh, yeah. that wants to play with us an ocean worshiping cult terror group not terror group but <laughs> yeah. they're definitely like a yeah. raider group like a raider seems. group yeah yeah so uh, because if anybody I... wants to take this role on uh let us know we'll we'll help them create a story and we'll, we'll have some fun i love that i absolutely <laughs> love that um and actually there's a question one of the listeners put out there um yeah it's kind of neat so some of you that are listening right now have never been to wasteland weekend uh, and so there's this really cool opportunity that if you want to come, um, you know, you could follow your, you could, you could push your way right into an already created storyline <laughs> there uh, you are. By, by naming and, and, and becoming this cult. Yeah. <laughs> I will try. say there's a lot of flexibility in there yeah. too, uh, for yeah. we, what we their the, real motives are. Yeah. We kept it right. vague for, for, for a reason. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, do we like really don't know anything about it. them. <laughs> we really yeah. don't know anything about this tribe yeah. yet. And we don't even know if they're good or not. You guys went in guns blazing. <laughs> uh, and they never even, they never asked, hey, what are you doing here? Um, they never said, hey, stop. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was just Digit's intuition said we should shoot all these bastards real quick before. Well, that, that, that's kind of her nature. She, 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 tends to, uh, she tends to be a little bit quick on the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good thing the, uh, the, the, the male drifters are always, that they always have your back there, Digit's. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, uh, a new member uh, named Usher. Uh, a, a young lady, and um, she is she is kickass. Awesome. Uh, our we we do the slow race. You actually filmed it if you've done the slow motorcycle. Yeah, the race. slow motorcycle race. The slow motorcycle race, and we have a trophy that we award to the uh, winner. Well, of uh, in twenty, I think it was in twenty nineteen, twenty actually no in twenty eighteen, the trophy got stolen, and it got what? held for ransom, <laughs> and uh, we were not able to get it back. And uh, in 2019, so and so the the the, the thieves laughed at us horribly. <laughs> and in 2021, they said we need to you know come and get this back, and you need to come and do this. So I went to go negotiate the return of the uh, the trophy. And while I was negotiating the return of the trophy, Sutler took Usher first brand new thing, first event she'd ever ever been to, and said. Look, there's the trophy over there. I'm going to distract them. You steal it. <laughs> and so while I was negotiating with the leader, he distracted the guards. And she stole, first thing she ever did at Wasteland, she stole the trophy <laughs> for us. I right. love so, it. I love so, it. So, uh, so, 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 Digis has Digis has a lot of support because we're all very, we're all very close, and, we, and the drifters all support one another. But we have, we have another badass young lady uh that is that that's gonna do great things <laughs> that's so fun oh my gosh it is really like when you get to um get in one of these heists or or the um or the cosplays or um a lot of tribes actually have something that you're allowed to steal they're mm -hmm. usually called relics but a lot of them you know it's kind of yeah. up up in the air um but the there are things that you're allowed to steal uh, don't just steal anything if you go to Wasteland. Yes. You should yes. either be on the mission and know what you're stealing, or it has to have a special mark on it. Yes. Um, and I talk about that in some other episodes you can check out. Um, but when you do that, it feels real, and it feels fun, and it's like you're oh, yeah. playing uh, Capture the Flag as a kid again. It's just yeah. great. And the beauty of it is that because this is a social event, it has to remain nonviolent. You're not going to go up and hit somebody over the back of the head and actually mug them. So right. all these things have to be accomplished through some amount of skill and ingenuity. It, yeah. it isn't just it isn't just I'm going to go in and point a gun at you because I know you're not going to fire the gun. It better not be a no. real gun. So we can't end it. we can't end things that way. You have to you have, have to have a whole way. army first. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And there have been people that have recruited an army, like without even knowing them. They say, "Hey, I'm, I go get this thing. Can I purchase your services?" And then you show up with that army that you just I tell negotiated. You, man, people, it comes cheap at Wasteland, <laughs> especially when you have a bar. <laughs> they just did that last year when when they uh, when they decided that they were going to capture uh, uh, Critical Biggs. Uh, we we actually ca we actually captured him and did a. a Took away his flamethrower and did a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, we were and helping Gemini of uh, of Simoda do her quest line, and yeah. I love it. 
and 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 did and did just formed about a thirty or forty. Actually, no, it was. It was a, I think we counted. It was a fifty-person army in less than twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, everybody wants to be involved. Everybody wants to kill Bigs too. Yeah, that, helps. <laughs> that, that helps too. That does help. That helps. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Um, yeah, that's actually a story I was hoping to get on to the podcast. So I get to, I get to reach out and make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, between chapters four and chapters five, there's a break where the drifters go to the gathering at Wasteland City. Um, you already talked about how there's a reason why it's not on the page, which is, you know, is kind of a setup for your actual, um, games that you're going to play at the festival. But is there a reason why you didn't go back and write the storyline that happened there, like in real time, rather than kind of flashing back in episode five. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, a lot of it is just because it happened, like it happened at the event. But yeah, uh, a lot of that was set up for my most wanted bounty, and I, I had the map, the map that Digits puts in escrow at the end yeah. that she had been using to not get killed. Um, <laughs> I carried it around all wasteland. And I had this whole complicated quest line where the bounty hunter had to like get a sniper rifle, set up an ambush. Like there's like a whole thing and it just didn't happen. So I I don't know. I think it would have felt kind of disappointing, I guess for me at least to like have (laughs) pretended that somebody got the jump on me and like did a whole ambush. So at the end of the event that's in chapter five, that's why you hear okay, like, the con and digits actually just came to an agreement and put it in escrow, and, like, we moved on from there. Like, that's kind of how that actually ended up being resolved, is at the end of the event, I went over to uh, the person who placed the con and was just like, well, Bounty Hunter failed. Like, how are we going to move the story on from here? And that's what we decided together. I think one other aspect is that a lot of the writing that we do for Schofield Stritters, the contingency story, and the other stories... Really, we write those because they're fun for us, first of all. And secondly, we want to build anticipation for the Wasteland Weekend event. So we typically write these stories in the summer leading up to the event. And then we have the event. Everybody has a great time. And so afterwards, we want to take a break. And by the time we get back to writing, enough time has passed to where eh, there really isn't that much interest in recapping. Besides, all the people that were at Wasteland know what happened. We want to start right building anticipation for the next year. And so the, these stories usually really center on filling the gaps between the events at the, the actual city and are usually done to build anticipation for the next year. Yeah. I love it. Um, so um, in the Legends of Wasteland City version of this, um, the voices of the Grand Imperator and Becklar Beck uh, were voiced by prominent Wasteland Weekend um, celebrities. We'll call them <laughs> celebrities. That's fine. Um, they're very, they're very large characters at Wasteland. Did you recognize them when you first listened? You know, I did not. To be honest with you, I, 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 I had to wait until I actually went and, and, and looked at the credits to see who they were. Uh, <laughs> I, I just part of that is that I got so excited about getting immersed in the story that I, I just didn't even it, it didn't even it didn't even occur to me. So great, yeah, yeah. So and I, I think that's a testament to the way that you crafted and edited the the presentation and their skills. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, they both <laughs> absolutely crushed it, and yeah. it was so fun because it was yeah. just uh, it was just by chance that 
they happen to be in the same place. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that they were able to do that because it, it certainly added a depth to it. Yeah, yeah, and of course that was the uh, the false prophet playing the Grand Imperator and the Baron playing Becklar Beck, okay. and they absolutely crushed it. I was so happy with it. Uh, I want to do a special call out. Uh, the and I, I apologize for not knowing his name, but you'll know, you'll fill it in as soon as I say it. The gentleman who ended up playing what breaks in the last two episodes, in episodes five and six, he nailed it if you awesome ever come back when, when you come back uh if if wet breaks is there and you get a chance to meet him you will be amazed at how much this performer <laughs> sounds just like what breaks you oh that's so you, great i you nailed him they nailed him perfectly yeah yeah I really enjoyed that that was my buddy michael reed and he yeah. is actually a wasteland weekend alum he came um only one year in 2014 mm. so i'm hoping to get him back because that would okay. be really fun yeah um all right guys well i want to um offer up a few questions that actually came from listeners oh great uh so i hope you, i hope you're ready for it um and let me just check i i asked a question on that okay so there's none there um so first off james hart who has been very active on the youtube channel asked why are your chapters so short they're so long when they're written <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's the interesting thing. We, I, th it, it's really funny because, as you can tell by the length of my responses and Ditch's responses, I tend to be very <laughs> verbose, and I tend to write that way too. And she goes in, like you said, she's it's the great fault. editor. She goes in and she just starts cutting things out, uh, which needs to be done. Uh, so I'm in, I'm in marketing too. So like, if we're if we're posting these things on Facebook, like people's attention spans aren't that long. Right, I yeah, want right. I like breaking them up with images and stuff and trying to. Give them an audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that. And um, you know what's kind of funny is when I'm sitting at the computer editing, I tend to speed these episodes up, get them really tight. Mm -hmm. But then when I'm just listening to it out loud or if I'm if I'm playing it for somebody to get some feedback, I'm like, oh, man, I need to take more time there. Like, let it sit. Let it let it breathe. Yeah. Uh, slow things down. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny just how uh, digits. I'm with you on this. I'm, you know, obviously filmmaker and do a whole lot of new media. And it was always shorten it up, tighten it yeah. up, get it faster, yeah. make it make it happen. Um, but, yeah, it's been kind of interesting to allow myself to let it breathe. Yeah. And yeah. find it, those it moments where you can slow it down. Yeah. yeah. It can be really challenging to find that balance uh, because it's, I tend to I tend to talk a lot and I tend to write even more. So uh, <laughs> uh, try, trying to get that to be concise is uh, that that's an important skill. So it's well, one of the many ways in which Doc and I have each other's backs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. You guys are um, a, a perfect duo. Um, all right. Brian S. wants to know if all the characters and tribes in the story are based on real people. And if so, how do you go about writing for other people's characters? Oh, that is challenging. Um, get permission. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess that's that's the most important thing. So a, a classic example of that is the episode with the Grand Imperator. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the gentleman who created that character and played that character went to Wasteland for a few years. He doesn't go anymore. When we wrote that story, we actually went to him and said, we want to write this story with you. We want to do this thing with you. And he said, great. And so we would write it. We wrote it. We sent it to him. Here's how we're representing you. Here's what you're saying. How do you think about this? And for the most part, he liked it. A couple of things he said, no, I wouldn't say that. I would say something differently. Oh, yeah. So the real thing is whenever possible, if you're going to write about another person that exists, get their buy-in. That's the only respectful thing to do. <laughs> it, really, yeah. it really is. 
when we did the scene with Primo too, or Beck, mm-hmm. Beck, um, I believe that I actually just I connected with him on Facebook Messenger. We did a brief in character back and forth, yeah, and kind of felt out how our characters would interact and just how that would go, and then edited. Yeah, made some changes, but edited that over. And then, of course, we let him read it before we published yeah. it. But uh, I'm more comfortable doing, like, I am back and forth if I'm trying to do dialogue with somebody that I don't know that I could write for. Yeah, And, and that actually worked well because you did that whole interchange on I am so we could go back and we made a transcript <laughs> of it. And that made, oh, that made great. Uh, writing the episode a lot easier. Nice. Um, that's Primo. He's one of the uh, juggers, right? He's yeah. with the Defender Stuart Hort now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know but if he's also, still playing Jugger. Okay, but not, he was at but, one yeah. point. So he I, was. I do know he, him. I didn't mm-hmm. know that he was Becklar Beck. And yeah. now yeah. I realize that voice was completely different. <laughs> yeah. It was. But that's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah. It still works. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Um, for that, uh, I told I told Mike the Baron, um, I think this is somewhere between an orc and a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good mix you're not wrong and, that's a, that's he a good, went that, with it that's, and that's i was like oh my god yeah, yeah that yeah. was so good, good. Yeah. all right next question sarah b wants to know if you thought oh what you thought of the voice actors who played you both and was it weird to hear <laughs> <laughs> it was weird to hear me um i thought that the the voice for digits was really a good interpretation it's different but it was a really good interpretation uh and it it was it was definitely weird for me uh, to hear uh, <laughs> hear Doc's voice. I liked it, but it was it it was it was it was strange. Mm-hmm. I really like the uh, the direction that the voice actor took for digits. I think that she sounds fairly similar to a lot of like badass female action heroes in like movies and games and stuff it's like a little it's a, a, quite a bit more neutral than the voice for doc so i find that really easy to identify with because i play all those games oh right uh, yeah my girlfriend thinks it's really weird she's like that's not <laughs> how you sound i don't it doesn't really weird me out yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so funny yeah I, there was definitely a, a a bit of me that wanted to match your voices as much as possible. And then there was another part of me that was like, no, I'm going to find the ones that can act these characters yes. the best, regardless yeah. of how close they are. That um, was a good, I think that was a good call on your part. The absolutely. voices don't have to match. They don't have to match. Yeah. Yeah. And actually a, a thought that I had, I was hashing this out with somebody and, the, and, and the thought was if there's someone out there that's listening to this show, that's never been to Wasteland weekend. And I'm sure there's, plenty and hopefully down the line there'll be plenty more um that they would then possibly make the pilgrimage to uh wasteland city the actual event Mm. and come and meet you guys (laughs) (laughs) and be like wait you sound so different you know like but that's a a possibility is that somebody you know that's a fan of the show um then goes to wasteland weekend and, and discovers that hey wait this world is real yeah, How Mad Max exist. is that, though? Yeah. Right? Like, to have the story change and spread and then have, you know, who knows what the reality is, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're there to see it yourself. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so fun. <laughs> um, next question. Colin's wondering how many drifters there are, because you allude to plenty in this story. Um, and uh, and that's in real life and in your original story. Nobody knows. I like that. <laughs> um, I will. I think I can. I think we can safely say how many boots we had on the ground in 2021. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, we had to be of six or seven. I think we had six drifters on the ground, like that were like officially like drifters came, set up, built, camped with us, and everything. We have some other friends that have moved on into different tribes, moved off to do their own thing. That are kind of like honorary drifters to the extent that they want to be. Um, and then we also have some people. Normally, we have at least one or two people camping with us as guests that are not drifters. They have their own thing. We're just gonna share camp space and give them a place to do their thing. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so you guys are pretty small on the yep. boots on the ground, but in the story world, it could be many times that. It's it's not huge. And again, one of the <laughs> things, and I I think I think that we uh, well I know we did address this in, in in a couple of episodes is the fact that the drifters don't hold any territory like like most right. other tribes. Yeah. And so we when we're not at Wasteland City. We're drifting. We're scattered all over God's green earth and you know, doing different things. And that, and, and uh, I really kind of like that aesthetic uh, because it explains. If it actually reflects a little bit of reality because we are, we our people are a little bit widespread, and it gives us opportunity to say, "Oh, there's somebody over here. This happened. There was somebody over here," and it. I think it gives us a lot of really great story opportunities. It's fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I also noticed that what breaks in your writing, um, at one point he was not necessarily a drifter, but someone that worked with you quite a bit. And then later on, he was short tagged as a drifter. Yep. So it seems like there's some uh, arbitrary uh, uh, um, allegiances there, maybe. Yeah, it's fluid. Things are yeah. fluid. <laughs> and, 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 and I think that really is the best way to put with it. Because, you know, for instance, what breaks uh, was in our camp for two years, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, he didn't come last year. Uh, if he comes next year, he won't camp with us. He'll be doing his own thing. But I know that we're going to be seeing him and oh, hanging so out fun. with him. So, uh, you know, he's still a drifter. He's just a little doing his own thing. Yeah. I love that. Not to yeah, contradict you, but um, Icarus <laughs> didn't make it. What breaks, what breaks came and did his own thing, right? Uh, no, neither one of them made it. Oh, my mistake. That yeah. happens to me too. But so yeah, many no, wastelands, uh, they all blend. Yeah. <laughs> all right, last question. Uh, War, War Girl three us uh, War Girl seven three seven asks how how much of your characters are inspired by your real lives? Uh, and for instance, Doc, are you actually a scientist or a doctor or anything like that? <laughs> uh, I am. I am a physicist. Yes. Oh no, uh, kidding. So so there 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 is there is a connection. Um. I do ride a motorcycle. Um, I do sword fight. So does Digis. Digis is oh, a much fun. better sword fighter. Digis is a yes. much better sword fighter than I am. Um, so there's there's a bit of overlap. Again, uh, as uh, as I said earlier, I think it's really a matter of exaggerating, a- amplifying some traits and uh, subduing other traits. So yeah, yeah. There, there's a little bit. <laughs> and and Digis, how much of you is in this character? Yeah, I think. Uh... A lot. <laughs> same, same as Doc. I've, I really exaggerate some parts at Wasteland. Uh, I, I play up. Uh, I play up the impulsiveness uh, a lot at Wasteland, but also, huh? I'm gonna tilt my hand a little bit. Digits also plays up the impulsiveness, if that makes sense. Like in character, Digits is not. Digits does think things through a little more than. Uh, she likes to lead people to believe. Uh, 
So I think like as as that character, that's really fun for me to just go around and and play that up. But um, but I mean, I am I am that person in in real life to an extent. And like Doc says, uh, I do do sword fighting. I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. Doc's a lot better shot than me, so we've got we've got that <laughs> in <laughs> that is, that's definitely the same as real life. Um, I yeah. love it. I love it. So fun. Yeah, I think. Um, that's another wonderful thing that happens with any kind of cosplaying, but Wasteland Weekend especially is is you kind of take those pieces of you that you like and then mm-hmm. you amplify them exactly to to like their heroic end. <laughs> there you are. There you <laughs> right? are. Right. Yeah. yeah. So fun. Um, so also um, one of the biggest things in writing is write what you know. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, I love that you know, the motorcycle and, and, uh, shooting guns and sword fighting and, uh, the fact that you're an actual physicist, which I did not know until right now. Um, I think that's really cool. So I also, uh, we've talked a lot about, um, kind of like being in character all the time. Um, and we've got these kind of larger than life personas out there. We do take great pride in like walking down the street as the drifters in formation and like having people take pictures, having people look at us and go like, oh, wow, something's going down. Like, oh, shit, it's the drifters. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. But what makes me even prouder is, like, that I know that our camp is really, like, welcoming and open. And I want pe- I want to make sure that people know that, like, even though we're, like, in character, we can turn it on on a dime. If you walk in the camp and you want to make a deal with digits, like, I'm going to be there. We are really friendly and I'm really proud of our tribe for that. Um, and I've gotten some comments after 2021 especially that people felt welcome in previous years or that people knew that they could come in uh and that makes me like that makes me prouder than people thinking that our characters are badass is that it's like it is actually a safe uh a safe and fun place to be where you don't need to you don't need to be on all the time just because you have the option of being in character yeah and i gotta say i agree with that because i'm pretty sure i met you guys uh at wasteland weekend 2020 camera in hand and uh i'm pretty sure the invite was come by the camp you don't have to bring your camera um just just come enjoy yourself and we'll show you the bar and all that and i did and it was a blast (laughs) and you guys were super welcoming and the drinks were obviously so much fun Um, and just a reminder for people out there, the, the drifters, um, have a bartender named Sutler who, um, makes drinks based on emotions <laughs> and they yeah. match, uh, doc, I'm sure you can give me the, the very quick, uh, version of that. Well, sure. We do have, he's, he's identified nine emotions and he has found, uh, compositions, concoctions that taste like those emotions and they're all there's, there's no mixers in it. They're all alcohol or liqueurs or things like that. And so we have things like ecstasy, love, uh, regret, anger, rage. And the <laughs> thing, you know, you know and ev- everybody says that, you know, you regret does indeed taste like regret. Yeah. An interesting uh, bit of that, just to uh, name drop here, is if anybody's familiar with uh, uh, Wasteland, they know uh, the Swede who runs uh, Wasteland Communications Corps, the radio man. Mm-hmm. And he heard that we had regret, and he came over and said, my sweetest regret is more regretful than your regret. But we'll have to have a taste test. So we, did, so we did a taste off. And he tasted mine, I tasted his. And you know, we both agree that, yes, these both, we, these both taste like regret, <laughs> but we can't decide which is more regretful. 
We need oh, to have a neutral judge. And Mr. Fahrenheit happened to be hanging out in the bar. So we grabbed <laughs> Mr. Fahrenheit and said, you need, to, you need to taste these both. And he was appalled. But because Mr. Fahrenheit is who he is, and if you know him, Mr. Fahrenheit is a very charismatic uh, man who is known by everybody and is game for just about everything. He agreed to be the judge. And he actually did rule that the Swedes' regret was more regretful <laughs> than the, than the, the Drippers' regret. Uh, but just the fact that I uh, got him to... Uh, Taste both of them. Well, I, I took that as a victory in my case. So yeah, That's so amazing. Su- Sutler has all these different emotions, and they all taste like that. You know, uh, uh, again, love is nice, and ecstasy has a, ni- has yeah. a nice flavor to it. Regret, anger is uh, has a bit of a bite to it. So yeah, you can it's also like there's that. no tricks here. Like if anybody no. is like nervous about this, they're the, all the nice ones. <laughs> the nice ones taste nice, nice and ones the aggressive ones taste aggressive. Are going to be yeah. harsh. Yeah, and, and, and they're they're all commercially commercially available ingredients. Nobody oh, knows yeah. what they are. Sutler mixes them in his in his hut, and we never we don't know what goes into them. So you can mm-hmm. ask, and you can guess. We're not going to tell you. We don't know, but they are all commercially available ingredients. None of this is homebrew. None of this is yeah. weird, dangerous concoctions. They're all Got it. you know safe. Yeah. Ingredients. Now, In I do lore, wonder, of course. Oh, I'm sorry. I do. I, I was just going to say, I do wonder if having one regret before the other <laughs> would make a difference. Because obviously, the second regret, you'd be like, oh, no, this was a mistake, right? So maybe you guys need to swap the orders and have Fahrenheit do it again. <laughs> I, will, I will tell him you suggested that, and we'll see if we can arrange a rematch. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be the trick. Can you get Fahrenheit to do the test again? <laughs> All right. Um, well, I do. Uh, I know that we've gone a little bit over here, but I want to. Um, so I'm going to wrap things up. Um, okay. uh, one question. If I know you guys have more stories written out, where can people follow along with the Drifters? Oh, definitely on the uh, the Schofields Drifters uh, Facebook page. There, there is a there is a, a Facebook page for that. It has all of our stories in there uh, that we've written, uh, including Perfect. all contingencies in in, in all their glory. Uh, and that's also where we will post uh, new written stories. Uh, Fantastic. As, as so I'll link them. that in the show notes below. Thank um, you. Uh, my request for you guys is: Can I have another story for season two? Oh, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that we can we can get something together for that. Uh, most likely, uh, as we said, our next set of stories are going to be about the other members of the Drifters. I think people are uh, tired of hearing about Doc and Digis after so after so much. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll uh, we should be able to have a couple of stories uh, for season two for you. Perfect, I love it. Um, well. Thank you both so much for sharing the story. It's been such a delight to work on and make part of the Legends of Wasteland City. Um, I hope you guys uh, stay tuned for the others because there's going to be more cool ones coming up. Can't wait. I'm I'm very very excited to hear the other ones. And thank you again for such a phenomenal job you did on bringing our written words to life. It really was wonderful to, to hear. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, and of course I'll be seeing you guys at Wasteland Weekend this year, right? Oh, of course. Absolutely. We'll be there. Awesome. All right. Well, Doc and Digits, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, um, being a part of this and, um, being open to me kind of putting my spin on it. So I really appreciate you and I, I love you both as people. So I can't wait to see you in real life again. Thank Likewise, you so much. Thanks a lot. Awesome. And for you guys out there, um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure you slam that subscribe button wherever you're listening. If you uh, really enjoyed today's episode, make sure you share it with a friend. And if you hated it, uh, send it to an enemy along with a MacGuffin that they'll never quite make work. I'll see you next time, survivors. Stay alive. End days, end, end, end days.
Sunday.